you would this morning, take your Bibles and turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, 1 Corinthians 9. I want to say thank you to Randy uh, Layfield, so thankful that he filled in for Brother Trey and did a wonderful job. And he said he may get a little carried away, but I think he, he controlled himself. He did good. Thank you, Randy. And, I, and, and like Randy, I also say thank you to all those who worked yesterday, who came and supported. And, and, and it's just exciting to see what God is doing in our church and the need for servants, the need for people to step, step up. And I think you're going to see that even within the text this morning. But I invite you to take your copy of God's Word as we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9, as we have found ourselves almost in a series within a series where... The, the book of Corinthians has become this letter that God has given us to understand what a healthy church is and how to navigate revitalization, uh, where Paul is addressing problems and issues within the church, establishing some structures and some validity within the church that is needed uh, for them to be healthy, to deal with some of the issues. But we have found ourselves in the last several chapters dealing with this navigating the gray areas, how to how to deal with the freedoms that we have in Christ, that, that, we are in, that we are in Christ and He saved us. And so therefore there are areas in which the Scriptures have not spoken very uh, clearly and, and on purpose for that reason. God, God is not, He did not miss anything. He did this on purpose. Um, that it does give us freedom. And so within the church of Corinth, they were, uh, for them, the issue was the issue of eating meat offered to idols. For us, it may be the issue of drinking it may be the issue of, of voting. It may be the issue of, of how we deal with the, the issues of the vaccine or medical stuff, whatever the case may be. There, there are these areas in life where many of us have these strong opinions and strong things. But the Lord has, the Lord has given us this freedom. He's given us this freedom. And so um, when we come to this, the question that becomes is in these freedoms, in these in these rights and privileges that we have, how do we navigate this? Because it may offend, and it may, as we'll see as we get into chapter 10 and next week, may even be harmful to us. And so thankfully God and Paul has not left us without help. And so in chapter 8 we saw that love should guide our knowledge. And then we learned some principles for navigating these areas. In chapter 9 we are now looking at Paul's example. He sets himself up as an example for you and I to follow. And so if you've missed any of those sermons, you can find those on the website or the app. But in today's passage of Scripture, we're going to continue looking at Paul's example. And specifically of how we prioritize the gospel. And so three things that I want you to see this morning. I want you to see Paul's contribution, his servanthood, and his discipline. As we continue to look at Paul's example, I want you to notice his contribution, his servanthood, and his example as he is navigating his rights and his freedoms for prioritizing the gospel and the evangelism of others. All right? So, so begin with me here in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning in verse 15. He writes, But I have used none of these things. And I'm not writing these things so that it will be done. So in my case, for it would be better for me to die than have any man make my boast an empty one. For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of, for I am under compulsion. For woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. For I, do, for I do this voluntarily, I have a reward. But if against my will, I have a stewardship entrusted to me. One that is my reward. 
that when I preach the gospel, I may offer the gospel without charge, so as not to make full use of my right in the gospel. For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a slave to all, so that I may win more. To the Jews I became a Jew, as a Jew, and so that I might win Jews, and to those who are under the law, as under the law, though not being myself under the law, so that I might win those who are under the law. So to the Jews I became a Jew, to the Gentiles I became a Gentile. To those who are without law, as without law, though not being without the law of God, but under the law of Christ, and so that I might win those who are without the law. And to the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak, and I have become all things to all men, so that I may by all means save some. I do all things for the sake of the gospel, so that I may become a fellow partaker of it. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you win. Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. They then do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. And therefore I run in such a way as not without aim, I box in such a way as not beating the air, but I discipline my body and make it my slave, so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. May God bless the reading and the preaching of his word this morning. Charles Spurgeon once said that if sinners be damned, at least let them leap, over, leap to hell over our dead bodies. And if they perish, let them perish with our arms wrapped around their knees, imploring them to stay. If hell must be filled, let it be filled with the teeth of our exertions and let not one go unwarned or unprayed for. You've heard me use that quote before from Charles Spurgeon. It is a quote that, that expresses the passion and the desire of Charles Spurgeon, the prince of preachers, one of the greatest preachers of, of, in history, to his desire to see men and women saved. His desire that the gospel would go forth and that people would be saved, that they would be saved from the judgment of hell. And so as we come to chapter 9, we actually find within this chapter a very similar, if not even greater, desire than Charles Spurgeon. Paul has a desire and a passion for men and women to be saved. Paul has a desire for those within the church, those that that are weak within the church, to to finish the race and to finish well. And so if you would take notice within these verses that we've read, you would see that the words gospel occurring four times, to win uh, around five times, and to preach around five times. Clearly, this section is motivated by the preaching of the gospel that people may be saved. Paul is setting himself up as an example of one who has denied his freedom, who has laid down his rights. Why? We saw this last week, that the gospel will not be hindered. Why? So that men and women will be saved. In Romans chapter 1, verse 16, Paul writes this. He says, For it is the power of God. For it, the gospel, is the power of God for salvation to everyone who would believe. The gospel is the power of our evangelism, beloved. Nothing else is. Whoever it is that is on your mind this morning that you wish was here, or maybe who is here and you're hoping that God will work within their heart, do something there, stir them up and bring them to salvation, you need to know that it is the gospel by which it will take place. If you come this morning and you're, and you're thinking, man, I, I, I'm going to come in here today and I'm going to come to church and I may even join the church and, and I'm going to join the church so that I can be a better person and if I'm a better person, then God will forgive me and accept me. No. That, that works is not your salvation. The gospel is your salvation. And so therefore, we prioritize the telling and the sharing of the gospel. That we tell people of Christ who 
who died for their sins. That they themselves are, are under judgment because they are born sinful. You, you're not sinful because you did something sinful. You're, you do things that are sinful because you are a sinner. I sinned because at the very core and heart of me, I was born wicked and depraved. And so therefore, I am in need of a hope. I am in need of a salvation. And that salvation does not come by going into, by just going to church or giving to the church or being a good person. That salvation comes through the preaching of the gospel. Through the fact that you would believe that Jesus Christ lived a perfect life. That He died on a cross. That He gave His life for you. As a substitute for you. That your sins may be forgiven and that you can then join Him in heaven because Christ died and rose from the grave. He substituted Himself on the cross in your place. And I believe we prioritize, beloved, this call to repentance today. Not only do we prioritize the gospel, but we prioritize the call that men would repent and believe in Christ. And I would prioritize that this morning. That above all things, beloved, that if you are lost this morning, I would beg of you that I would call upon you. I would plead with you this morning that you would believe in Jesus Believe that He and He alone can wash away your sins and that you can be saved by the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. This is the gospel that we preach. And this is the power unto salvation. And so therefore, beloved, if that has the power to save men and women, then it must be a priority of the church. It must be a priority of First Baptist Church. And if you grab a hold of that passion, if I grab a hold of the passion of the gospel going forth that men and women may be saved, then that passion, that desire will lead you and I to do things that will seem radical. For example, Paul denied his right for compensation. Radical, right? Paul denied his right that he would be able to to, to have payment, to, to have a comfortable life, a life where he can afford certain comforts and certain things he he foregoes all of this why so that no one would ever accuse him of being greedy that no one would ever ignore the message of the gospel because he was being paid for it so he offered the gospel freely as we will see which leads to this radical life and i want you to see those three things this morning i want you to first notice that paul's contribution prioritizing the gospel leads paul to, to contribute here to his ministry. Notice verse 15 through 18. He says, but I have, he says, but I have used none of these things, none of these privileges. I am not writing these things so that it will be done. So in my case, for it would be better for me to die than have any man make my boast an empty one. For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of. For I am under compulsion, for woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. For if I do this voluntarily, I have a reward. But if against my will, I have a stewardship entrusted to me. What then is my reward? That when I preach the gospel, I may offer the gospel without charge, as that not to make full use of my rights in the gospel. So, so notice the contribution. Paul is making it very clear that he is not. You need to know this. Paul is not doing this. He's not letting this be known that he's not getting paid so that they'll feel bad and pay him. In fact, Paul goes on to say that I would much rather die than you pay me. I would much rather die, you pay me, and someone not hear the gospel and be saved. I would rather die that you take away my boast. And you have to understand that this boast is not a sinful boast. Paul, Paul is not boasting in himself. He's boasting in Christ. He's boasting in the sacrifice. 
He even says here, I'm not doing this voluntarily. You know, everybody talks about that we are called, you know, there's an option. Paul had no option here. God met him on the road of Damascus. He told him, you're going to do this. You're going to suffer for me, that, that the gospel may go forward. The Paul said, if I didn't do it, woe to me. This is, that, this is that judgment, that woe of like an Isaiah. The judgment of God would fall upon him. So Paul's not boasting in the fact that he's in the ministry, that he's preaching the gospel. That is not his to boast in. But what he is boasting in is that he preaches the gospel without payment. Reflect back to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 31. Again, he's not boasting in and of himself, but he's boasting in the sacrifice that is, that is glorifying God. If you remember back in chapter 1, he said, Let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. And Paul's boast is in the fact that the gospel is going out, is going out free of charge. Men are not having to pay for it. And here we find that within Corinth, they were boasting in what? I got freedom to not eat the meat. Or I got freedom to eat the meat. And Paul says, y'all are boasting in such small things. Matter of fact, he says, why don't you boast in the larger things such as sacrifice? Self-denial, sacrifice that glorifies God. Paul is rejoicing that his sacrifice is contributing to the spread of the gospel. What then is my reward? That I preach the gospel without payment that more people may hear it. Beloved, what we see here is the privilege of contribution to the gospel. Not that you're adding to the gospel, not that you're making the gospel better, but that you are contributing to the ministry of the gospel. You are taking the gospel out. In other words, Paul is going the extra mile than what he was called. Do you remember in Matthew chapter chapter 5 verse 41, the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus was telling them that if someone forces you to go one mile, what did Christ tell them to do? Go how many miles? Two. Go two miles. If they force you to go one, Paul said, go, I mean, Jesus said, go two. And so we find the same concept here, that God has ordained the apostle to preach the gospel. And Paul says, I'm not just going to preach the gospel. I'm going to go further than what he's called me. I'm going to lay down my rights. I'm going to lay down my freedoms, the things that he has, not, that he has given me an option to do, that I may make more of this, that I may not hinder others. Brothers and sisters, we have not only been given the privilege of salvation, but you need to understand this morning that you have been given the, pr- the privilege, you have been given the freedom to sacrifice things in your life that you may make more of the ministry of the gospel. Did you not know that freedom, the greater freedom, the greater freedom that you've been given is not to eat the meat? The greater freedom is not whether you can drink or not drink or the dance or not dance or fill in the blank the greater freedom and the greater privilege that you have been given is you have the freedom and the privilege to choose beloved on this day whether you will go the extra mile for Christ and lay down your rights that you will lay your life down for the greater good we celebrate Memorial Day those who gave their life beloved Galatians 5.13 For you were called to, to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh. But through love serve one another. I ask you this morning, how are you contributing to the ministry of the gospel? How are you going the extra mile? Prioritizing the gospel, beloved, requires that you deny yourself that you may joyfully contribute to the ministry. Are you denying your free time? 
You have free time, right? All of us have free time. Some of you are going, I'm just too busy. Well, let me ask you this then. If you're just too busy, can you deny your busyness for the sake of the gospel? Because if, we're really, if we really, really want to be honest with us, beloved, your business is really more about you and, and me. We make ourselves busy. I got things to do. I got things I want to accomplish. Are you willing to deny that busyness that you may be busy about the gospel? And here's what we find, that, that Paul is saying that, that, he, that we are to deny ourselves you know, certain privileges that we may take up the greater privilege, which is the privilege to sacrifice and go the extra mile in the Great Commission. So then go back to the issue of free time. Are you denying yourself your own free time that you may minister to the weaker brethren within the church rather than focusing on yourself, having me time? Are you denying yourself free time that you may invite lost people to come into your home that you may share the gospel? You may invite lost people into the church. How about this one? How about the issue of retirement? I've worked. I have worked hard. I have saved. It is, it is time to focus on me. Retirement is about me. My best life now, right? Would you be willing to give that up for the weaker brethren? For the lost, for the church, that in your retirement you would actually serve harder and longer, that you may contribute to the greatest work that man has ever known, the work of the gospel. That's what we see with Paul. Paul says, I'm not glorying in the fact that I am preaching the gospel, no, no, no. He says, I'm going the extra mile. And again, this is not prideful. He's not boasting himself because no one knew about this. Only because they asked. Paul is just saying to them, the gospel is going out. And so many times, well, we fail to contribute more. We do the bare, in all honesty, I don't even think we even do the bare necessities. I think we do less than that. But if anything, we boast in the bare necessities of what we do, the, the bare minimum where Paul says, I contributed more. But secondly, I want you to notice the servanthood. Look at verses 19 here. He says, For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a slave to, to all, so that I may win more. To the Jews I became as a Jew, so that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law, as under the law, though not being myself under the law, so that I might win those who are under the law. And to those who are without law, as without law, those not being without the law to, of God, but under the law of Christ, so that I might win those who are without law. Now, take notice of this. There in verse 19, Paul says, For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a slave. This is interesting. Paul says, I am a free man. I have freedom. But in my freedom, I gave it up. I, I, I had freedom to be free and I had freedom to be a slave. And in my freedom, I gave up freedom that I may be a slave. That is radical. Who in their right mind uses their freedom to become a slave. Who, who, who in their right mind uses their freedom to become a slave? But, but we even see this in the Old Testament in Deuteronomy where, 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 we, where we see that he says that to the slave who has been set free, that if he loves his master and he's willing to serve his master, that he may give his life over to the master and he would have his ear pierced and there he would serve his master always. He had the choice to serve the master. He had a choice to be a slave who in the right mind would give up their freedom for a life of slavery? Well, in this section, Paul says, 
He points to his effort to see more people saved. And so therefore, because of evangelism, because of the glory of God, he chooses to be a servant, meaning in his freedom, he get, he, in his freedom, in his right, he gives it up that he may have the freedom to do more, that he may have the freedom to serve. This is radical living and contrary to society because most slaves would be too anxious to give up, would be too anxious to, get to, to gain their freedom and then give it up. But this is a, but the paradox is, is that the gospel freed man wants to give up his life. This is the beauty of this. This is the paradox that the one, we've been set free in Christ and we've been set free to, you know, from sin and from death and we have these freedoms and these rights and these privileges that, that God says, go and live your life. Live it for me. Live it to the glory of me. And we say, we want to serve you. I have the freedom to serve Philippians 1.29, for to you it has been granted privilege, entitlements. It has been granted for Christ's sake, not only to believe in Him, you have been given the privilege to believe in God. That was a privilege you didn't have. Because you were sinful and wicked and depraved. But God has given us the privilege to believe upon Him and have faith in Him. But, He says not only that, but also to suffer for His sake. Friends, we are not only granted salvation in Christ, I am granted the freedom to suffer as Christ. I am granted the freedom to suffer as Christ. Mark 10, 45, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life a, a ransom for many. And so therefore, in Paul's mission efforts, he became submissive. He became submissive in the gray areas. Don't miss that. Because notice in verse 20, notice again in verse 21, to those who are without law, the Gentiles, he says, as without law, though not being without the law of God, but under the law of Christ. He says, I did not ever sin in this effort. In, in other words, he, he says, I did put away the law, but where the law was gray, circumcision, you know, eating shrimp, bacon, amen. Ooh. You know, he said, I put away those things. But when it came to thou shalt not murder, Paul said, I didn't go murder somebody for the gospel. So, so, so be very clear on this. That we're, again, this is the gray area. Paul, Paul gave up the right to do all kinds of legitimate practices such as eating of the meat to sacrifice idols, the drinking of wine, the observing of the Jewish holidays. But he never once gave up where God in the black and white areas and sinned against God. You need to understand this. Because here's the teaching that's going on today. Here's what's happened, I think, within the church. Is, is that we've abused this. And what's happened is, is we're, we're saying, I, I can do, the ends justifies the means. And I can do whatever I need to do to get this church full of people. Even if I need to contradict scripture. I need to move away from doctrine. And Paul says, I never did that. So, so again, these are the gray areas. You would think of this like going overseas on a mission trip where you eat or do not eat certain foods that you may, that you may find common ground. Where you will dress or not dress in a certain way that you may find common ground. For example, and some of you would have a really hard time with this. When I went to Romania, I was told not to wear a lot of logos or whatever on my clothing. Um, I, I didn't understand that. 
but anyway, so I, I had one exception just because I was, I, and it was the only cap I had. I just needed a cap. And so I wore my LSU hat. Who would have thought that people in Romania really cared about LSU or, did, or hated LSU, right? Well, really, the Romanians didn't. But apparently, the missionary and his wife, mainly his wife, was a huge Mississippi State fan. I'd shake her hand. She said, did you not see the thing about the logos? Well, yeah, but I... Well, we're Mississippi State fans. Yeah, but... We're Mississippi State fans. Yeah, but... No. Do you want to win people for Jesus? It was a... I'm not joking. It was a... It was an issue. And so I had to become a Mississippi State fan for a season. Some of you would rather die... Would you be willing to forego your commitment to LSU for a moment that others may come to know Christ? And so we see this. Legitimate areas and the freedoms. But Paul says, I did it in those areas, but I never broke the law of God. And so again, this context is, is, is within the gray areas to the weak I became weak. Notice this again. Where he says in verse 22. To the weak I became weak. This is a direct connection to the eating of the meat. In chapter 8. To those who did not eat the meat. They were weak. They, 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 they were guilty. They, they had, they were, their conscience was not sanctified yet. They were weak. And so, so Paul said to the stronger brethren. If you're going to do this. If you're going to give up your freedom for other people. You must become weak. But in actuality you're actually showing your strength. You give up the meat for your brother. You become weak that you may disciple them. As we saw in chapter 8, we may disciple them. Refuse yourself to win the weak. Brothers and sisters, are you willing to forsake your freedoms, not only to contribute to the ministry of the gospel, but are you willing to forsake your freedoms and rights, your entitlements, your privileges, all these things that God has granted you, things that are good, are you willing to lay them on the altar of sacrifice that you may suffer for others, that you may serve others? God sovereignly saves sinners, FBC. God sovereignly saves sinners. But He does not save apart from the means of evangelism. He does not save apart from the means of prayer and dedication and commitment and the work of the church and the work of the individuals. God, God does not do that. He has called us to the Great Commission. He has called us to go out and serve other people that they may know Christ. Either know Him because they are lost or know Him better because they are weak. And that means that we must become servants. Serving that we may witness and build. Serving so people will accept our invites into the church. Serving so that the weaker brethren may learn and become sanctified. Serving our faith family members who are weak. That they may be encouraged to be strong. That they may be encouraged in the teaching of the gospel and so I ask you this morning, how are you serving in your freedom? That the gospel is prioritized. How are you serving in your freedoms? How are you becoming weak? Or are you too prideful to become weak? Are you too prideful and are you too strong to become weak for the brethren? And maybe there's a place in service in the church that you think is beneath you. I'm not serving there. That's beneath me. 
I'll serve in the higher positions of the church. Because there, that's where people like me, the strong, serve. But in your freedom, beloved, you sacrifice that feeling of of weakness and of things being beneath you and you get your hands dirty. Is it possible that through your service you may contribute and prioritize the gospel and serve the local church in a way that you think is really weakness? But it's not. Is there a person who is weak? And they rub you the wrong way. Is there, is there an individual in the church or, or an individual that you love, maybe in the community, who, who you really, you know, you, you, you just have a hard time. They're, they're just, there's just, you love them, you care for them, you pray for them, whatever. But, but, but that spending time sometimes can just be really hard. But, and, and so for you, it would become, become, you have to become weak that you may serve them. Or maybe you spot problems within the church. And your freedoms have allowed you to spot the problems and talk about the problems and let the problems be known, but you yourself do not serve the church. You only serve in spotting things out. You only serve in letting people know what the problems are. But for you to do to serve and to get your hands dirty would be weak. How about denying yourself for a moment that you may be weak? So that we, the church, may become strong. That we, the corporate body, may, be, may become strong. It is said that the greatest violinist um, in our history had willed his violin to the city in which he was born and raised. But his one request was that it was never to be played. It was to be locked up in a, somewhere for people to view or whatever. But eventually... The cause of the violin was not worn because it was not taken care of. Hands were not placed upon it. It eventually became rotten. It began to decay. And I believe too many times, beloved, a Christian's unwillingness to serve within the church and they use the argument of freedom and privilege and entitlements decays the church. I think if there's one thing, beloved, that our church right now needs more than anything else. If it is, if I was to put on a list of First Baptist Church right now, I would say that the thing that we are in need of today is people to serve in the church. To serve in areas that you may not think about. To serve in areas in which you may not even notice, but others of us notice. And we need people to serve in those areas. But you may think, well, I, I have a right, I'll serve over here. I'm not saying to do something you don't enjoy, but we are in need of people to serve. And so Paul says, I became weak that I may serve. I denied myself that I may serve. And then finally, notice the discipline. Look at verses 24. He says, do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you win, that you may win. Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. And so therefore, I run in such a way as not without aim... I box in such a way as not as beating the air, but I discipline my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. So here we, we, we see this, that these verses drip with the sweat of athletes, the sweat of self-control, the sweat of self-discipline. You know, we're talking pumping weights, we're talking running, getting up early in the morning, whatever it may be, you are working out, you are working toward a goal, 
you know, for most of us, we're not running for a gold medal at the Olympics. It may just be that we lose weight and are healthier. But these individuals were running that they may, they may win this wreath, one that would eventually perish and, and go away. Um, it was the Isthmian Games. It was the second only to the Olympics. And so these athletes would train their bodies and they would bring themselves under complete submission to win the race. And so Paul is using this as an illustration to the, to the Christians of Corinth, letting them know that they must discipline them bodies. They must submit themselves. They must rid themselves. If you go and you look at the issue of training uh, in the Scriptures, it talks, the, the word that we get, the Greek word we get our gymnasium from, it means to cast off to the point that they would literally cast off all of their clothing to the point they had no clothing. They were completely nude. That they may train themselves because any type of clothing may hinder myself in training. It may cost me that one second in the race. And so they would train to the point of their bodies where, where, where they would just basically rid themselves of all things. And so Paul is calling us here to do the same thing. I, I, don't, I don't believe, though, that he is saying that we are disqualified or cast out according, you know, for, from salvation here. Again, the context is in being an effective witness. The, the context is in us going the extra mile that others may be saved, that others may be evangelized. But Paul is saying, I don't want to tell people that they need to serve God and, and serve Him with all of their heart, but myself be disqualified because I'm not serving Him with all of my heart. I, I don't want to be the one who's, who's talking the talk, but not walking the walk. And then I find myself in the end having less rewards than they. That I am less effective than they. I don't believe that. Uh, The context of this passage is one of evangelism purposes here. So he's counseling us to run in such a way that we may be effective. That when we cross that finish line below, we receive the the glorious prize of being ministers, of, of being people who have served Christ well. And this takes discipline. This takes denying yourself anything that would hinder your ability to, to share the gospel and to help those who are weaker, the, which is exactly what was happening in Corinth. They were holding tightly to their liberties. They were holding tightly to their freedoms, to their rights. And because they were holding tightly to themselves and to what they had, the gospel was being hindered. And they were losing the race of soul winning their freedoms were entangling themselves. Hebrews 12, 1. Let us lay aside every encumbrance or sin which easily entangles us and let us run the race of endur- with endurance the race that is set before us. Why were they hindering the salvation and the sanctifications of other men and women? Because they were unwilling to limit their freedoms. They were unwilling to lay aside and contribute an extra mile. They were unwilling to serve others. They were unwilling to discipline their bodies and do without. They could not control themselves for the sake of the greater prize. And so the refusal was that they didn't give up their rights. And so they ran the race aimlessly without purpose or they boxed at the air. To give you a picture of this, there's only, to me, there's one picture of this that greatly, uh, that, that portrays this. But it is Rocky three. you know, Rocky and Mr. T, right? Rocky's the champion and Rocky's about to go fight Mr. T for the first time. And he's training, you know, and they're taking pictures. And so Rocky would dance around the ring and he would punch at the air, but he would stop and they would take the picture. And he was being aimless. He, was, he wasn't really trying. And we all know the story. Mr. T whooped him. How many of us are too busy dancing around, 
people taking pictures as though we're doing something when in fact we have not disciplined ourselves for the real work of ministry. And so therefore we will miss out on so much because we ran aimlessly. Because we boxed aimlessly. Beloved, are you running to win the race? Are you running in such a way with purpose to win as many people as you can? If so, beloved, if you're running aimlessly, you're going to cross that finish line and you're going to miss out on so much. Our church will miss out on so much. Discipline yourself to be an effective witness. Put down your cell phone and your social media. Turn off your TV. Get rid of the hobbies that you spend far more time than you do in your own Bible studies and prayer. You have the freedom to do those things. Those things are not bad in and of themselves. But here would be my, here would be my challenge to you, beloved. Whatever it may be, whether it would be the issue of whatever, the things that you say, I have a right to do this, go without it for a month or so and see how hard it is. And you may find yourself that that right is really an addiction. You can't give it up. But lay aside those things that you may discipline your body to run the race. Give, learn to live off less money. Learn to live off less money. People say, oh, I can't do it. I can't do it. Learn to live off less money so you can give more money into the ministry. Discipline yourself that you actually are, are not sitting on the couch and sitting on your phone or TV, whatever it is, and you're taking all these things in and doing more to discipline your spiritual self that you may win more to Christ. Discipline yourself to, to recreate less and serve and contribute more. Ask yourself this morning, what is entangling me in the race to be effective? What is entangling me in the race? Again, it may be sin, it may not be, but what is it that is entangling me? And you are thinking of it right now. You know it. It is at the top of your head. It is there within your mind. Ask yourself, is that thing entangling me? And it needs to come under discipline and self-control. But that is only half the issue. You must not only discipline yourself to not do these things, but you must also discipline yourself to run the race and to serve and to contribute to the gospel ministry. So contribute and serve to your family. Contribute and serve and invest in your family, into the church. Invest in the weaker brothers and the weaker Christians. Invest in unbelievers and lost people. Invest in Jesus Christ. It has been said that President Lyndon Johnson was somewhat overweight and one day his wife had said to him, you cannot run the country if you cannot run yourself. And I would ask you brothers and sisters this morning, we cannot be good examples of prioritizing the gospel of Christ if we ourselves are not good church members who contribute, who serve, and who discipline ourselves for the weaker and brethren's and the unbelievers so this morning let us fight to contribute let us fight to serve and let us fight to discipline that Christ may be glorified let's pray